Chapter 27 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 27. General Armington Turns Insane. Just as General Washington Armington fired, Dr. Victor Juno knocked the pistol aside, when the bullet barely grazed his skin. But the general, not satisfied, immediately attempted to shoot again, when Dr. Juno wrung the pistol from his hand, and said, Now, sir, general, if I were the man you would believe me to be, I might, and most likely would, shoot you. But you cruelly wrong me, as well as your own faithful daughter. Great heaven! "'Could I only find out where she is?' exclaimed Dr. Juno, with great tears in his eyes, which fairly changed the general's ideas, when he asked, "'Tell me, then, where have you been all the time that no one knew of your whereabouts?' "'I was kidnapped one Thursday evening as I was walking down Chestnut Street, and carried to the insane Asylum in West Philadelphia, and cast into a most dreadful dungeon, and only made my escape by a miracle.' through a faithful servant whose name I vowed not to mention. I believe that your daughter is confined in the same asylum, said Dr. Juno. My God, you have opened my senses to an awful suspicion. Yes, sir, and the very deacon who stands so high in the church, and who is also president of this asylum, is in love with your child, and very likely he is torturing her inside of those walls. But this is only a suspicion. I know nothing about it, and am sorry I have no chance to find out whether she is there or not. But it is only a matter of time, responded Dr. Juno sympathetically. Oh, my dear son, this will set me crazy, for I now believe that I have wronged you altogether. I am sure of it, and feel convinced that we have all been wronged by the very people in whom I had the utmost confidence. But let me invoke you, young man, to remain steadfast in principle and honor come what may, for the day of reckoning will come, and God is just and immutably impartial. Remember that, sadly replied the general. Yes, sir, you are right, and I prefer death to dishonor. Moreover, principle with me is everything. I know it, I know it, but I have greatly wronged you, for which I ask ten thousand pardons, said the general, interrupting Dr. Juno, who continued, Nay, do not ask pardon of me, because you have only done what any good father would do, and had you done less, I could not respect and love you as I now do. Young man, you break my poor distressed heart. I have suffered a million of deaths since last we have seen each other happy together. I mean my beloved daughter and myself. Lord, oh Lord! Comfort an old, bereft, desolate man's soul in this bitter hour of sorrow. But where, oh, where is my daughter, my daughter? Which were the last sane words that General Washington Armington spoke. Dr. Juno called his servant, and requested him to join him in conducting the old man to his home, as he esteemed him in such a febrile state of mind as to be unsafe to let him go unattended. When they arrived at the general's residence, Pat O'Connor and Judy McCree were thunderstruck to see their master in such a distressed state of mind, but they feared danger very much to have Dr. Juno found at their home. 
Therefore, Pat proposed to send for Sister Nancy Clover, who was the general's best friend, and in whom the general always had wonderful confidence. Dr. Juno said nothing, but did not wish to meet Nancy Clover, for his heart throbbed when he heard her name mentioned. The doctor therefore left the house, saying to Judy McCree, if his services were wanted, to send for him. She responded, Yes, sir. The moment Sister Nancy Clover arrived, she said, The general is insane, and he must at once be taken to the West Philadelphia Insane Asylum. Ach, murder, almost audibly mumbled Pat O'Connor, and said aloud, Your lady would not take me good master away from home, would ye? Why not? indignantly responded Nancy Clover. He is insane, and our asylum for such invalids is the proper place. Pat and Judy withdrew from the presence of the pious sister, when Pat said, Judy, darling, what do you think over this dunes? Be St. Patrick, I be dumb struck with this work. Och, Pat and I be sick over this asylum. Just think, Pat, darling, what these peoples may do to me master and mistress when they have them in that devilish place, said Judy. These faithful servants were in great distress to find their master insane, who should share the fate of his poor daughter, and what would become of the general's property, which was a puzzle to them. But very likely the bloody clique would become the guardians of the estate, and use his money under the pretense that they support him in their asylum. Thus they will become owners of the bodies, souls, and property of the Arrington family. But, thought Pat O'Connor, I'll expose the whole thing at the right places, and I may awaken my chance to do it. It may be necessary to say here, that the riot which took place on the Sunday evening when Dr. Juno was locked out of Concert Hall was instigated by the interfering of these bloody conspirators, it having been the work of Deacon Rob Stew, and the police who were injured could blame no one but these vipers and their co-conspirators, the Mayor and Young Men's Association. They never tried to arrest or even accuse Dr. Juno for causing this riot, because they knew too well where their bread was buttered. Had Dr. Juno been arrested for causing a breach of the peace, which a former mayor tried his best to bring about on several occasions when Dr. Juno preached in the theatre, it would have turned in favor of the latter, as there were too many fearless witnesses ready to expose the dastardly outrage that was practiced by those who claimed to be the city fathers and guardians of the inalienable liberties of men. There are times in the affairs of human events when even the religious bigots, however mighty they are, cannot master everything, and we prophesy that before half a century is gone, these bloody conspirators and false interpreters of the Bible and misrepresentatives of Jesus Christ, God and nature, will be looked upon as the offscoring of the earth and greatest blasphemers of all the heathen ages. End of chapter 27 Recording by Todd